you guys have been doing this show for how long? And this is the first time you've interviewed somebody from the UPSL. You guys must be a bunch of amateurs. Welcome to Amateur Hour. My name is Chris Davis, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ben Gosshorn. How's it going, Ben? Doing good, doing good. Awesome. And we have a great guest today. We have the UPSL Communications Director, uh, Dennis Pope. How's it going, Dennis? I'm doing great. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me on the show. appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you. I, uh, I, when we got started with this, we decided we we're going to come back. I wanted to have uh, you guys on as one of our first guests because, to be honest, I don't really know a lot about UPSL. Um, we started this podcast a few years back and, uh, our reasons more or less were, uh, Ben and I each connected with a different MPSL, uh, club. And I just wanted to learn more about amateur soccer, uh, at first in the Carolinas then kind of broaden out. And, uh, we, we haven't really focused on UPSL so far. We mostly have learned about, you know, USL league two and MPSL and the little bit I heard about UPSL was that they basically have a lot of teams. Um, and that's about all I know. So I, I was curious, how would you describe UPSL to a new soccer fan? Like what's the mission of the league? Things like that. So the UPSL, uh, the United Premier Soccer League is the, is North America's largest professional development soccer league. Mm -hmm. So the UPSL fills that range for players between 16 and 23 and sometimes older, uh, players who are playing outside the what is considered the American pyramid. Um, and, and, you know, some of them range from high schoolers to, you know, ex-professionals. Uh, the UPSL is a, a wide variety um, of both players and clubs, and it suits for most uh, players the ability to give them exposure to then go on and play at a next level, whatever that next level for them is. Hmm. So whether they're aspiring to play in college, whether they're aspiring to play um, in NPSL, USL, NISA, MLS, um, whether they're looking for options internationally, um, the UPSL fills that space for thousands of players in North America right now. Okay. Okay. So what would you say um, barriers may be for entry to join UPSL? Because that was one thing I noticed is you guys have way more teams than any other league in America. So I was wondering, how does a team go about joining UPSL? They fill out an application on the UPSL's website, upsl.com. The application is reviewed. The team is contacted. There is a vetting process that is three parts. Uh, we ask that specifically brand new clubs um, create a business plan um, and, and represent that as part of their, their growth process for joining the league. Uh, the UPSL does consider itself um, and does take itself seriously. We're, we're not a Sunday league. We don't just take every other team. Um, we do require that teams behave and act professionally. And mm -hmm. so once we've vetted teams, um, teams are required to make a payment for their upcoming season, just like they do across every league in America. Um, and for the UPSL, depending on 
whether or not you're a premier division or a division one team. And in some cases, what region you play in um, the, the top end that a team will pay for a season is $2,000 a season. Hmm. Now they also pay a $500 membership fee to the league. And that goes across all teams and all divisions. They all pay a $500 membership fee to be a member of the league. Um, and then it's $2,000 a season and the UPSL, in most regions in the country operates two seasons a year, both a spring and a fall season. Um, there are some places that don't, i.e. Alaska, um, the upper Midwest, um, so on and so forth. So just depending on, you know, the region and the weather, but certainly mm-hmm. in places, California, Texas, Florida, um, up and down the East coast, um, there there's soccer year round. And so if you play in the premier division in any one of those regions, you're paying, essentially to play two seasons and the membership fee, it's $4,500 for the whole year. So mm. that's the, the barrier to, to membership for the league. Once you get past the vetting process. Okay. So you mentioned before that you guys do have some standards and you're not just kind of like a Sunday league. I, I think the impression that uh, Ben and I have gotten from different people that UPSL doesn't really have a whole lot of standards, but those are people outside of UPSL telling us that. So I'm curious what are those standards that you hold the clubs up to? So the minimum standards for premier division team, the list is long and mm. I'm not going to bore everybody with everything, but it boils down to facilities mm. and game day operations. So if you can hold the club up to a high standard, um, obviously during the last 18 months, you know, kind of some rules have been thrown out the window for sake of playing matches. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and to, to do other protocols, um, but in a normal situation, and hopefully starting, you know, we'll say this fall, teams will have to play in, in the right size facility. So that means the field is the right size. There's amenities on hand. That means both locker rooms for the teams. That means a press box. That means, you know, those sorts of expectations for the club. Mm-hmm. And then they have to perform um, tasks during the week that include um uh, this, this is a long list. So um, they have to do a, a travel sheet every week in which they communicate with both the, the either the team that they're visiting to or the team that's incoming. They have to communicate with the league about the time and date and confirm all of that stuff the week of the game to make sure that that's in line. Because at this level, facilities are a constant um, menage of, you know, it's it's everything all the time. So you know, just depending on what the facility situation is, they have to lock that down. Um, they have to produce, you know, the things on game day, like, you know, the nets and the flags and the referees and the water and, you know, the towels in the locker room and all that stuff. That's a big long list as well. So it, I mean, it's, it's the real deal. We're producing, you know, professional environments, um, you know, and we do that, in order to maintain, you know, the, the league's reputation and create those standards that mean that it is a step up from whatever else the league or the teams have been playing in, in their local league. Okay. Um, ben? Yeah. I was curious, just kind of as a follow-up question there is what does the league view as like the benefit of joining UPSL is like a next step for maybe a, not like a, not like a rec team, but like a, like in a, in the path of a aspiring club. 
Like wh what is the, the benefit of joining a UPSL club with those fees that are associated with that and everything and the infrastructure that comes with being a UPSL Sure. Club? So yeah, a big part of it is the infrastructure and the stability that comes with playing in the UPSL in a national league that has the credibility that is a USASA sanctioned national league um, that will be receiving um, automatic spots and in, in things like the U S open cup um, and the benefits that come from being a member of USASA. Um, but as far as what the league provides, the exposure that we give the players and the clubs is unlike anything else that is seen in the amateur scene. And so if they want to be a part of that, if they want to be able to be a part of that promotional machine, that's one benefit to them. Also the, Prize money, both regionally and nationally, is going to be going up consistently the next several years. There's going to be bumps in that. So th there's a big carrot to dangle for the clubs that think that they can win the premier division. Um, but it, you know, it, it is a it is a step for clubs that aren't ready to take the leap to the NPSL. It is the step for clubs that. Um, you know, want something more than, you know, in some cases their local offer is available to them. Um, and it provides that sort of national credibility that a lot of these clubs crave. Um, in the UPSL, historically, um, a lot of the clubs up into the last several years have sort of operated outside the purview of, you know, what is traditionally thought of as, you know, amateur NPSL and whatever that means, that circle. And so there was a, a groundswell of clubs on the end of really independent side that saw the UPSL as an option to national credibility. And so with that comes talent, right? Because those clubs are full of good players, great players, a lot of players that have gone on to do great things internationally. And that builds the reputation of the UPSL as a competitive league, a, a place to test your team and your players. And so that attracts the attention of bigger clubs with bigger reputations. And so you start to see, you know, things like Rush Academy in different places joining the UPSL. You see historical clubs like uh, uh, for Bavarian, um, out of Milwaukee and, and the clubs that some of the clubs that joined there in the Midwest for a time that have now moved on. Um, and now clubs in the Northeast like Brockton United, um, they're heavy hitters in, in their regions. You know, they want access to that competition and that consistent competition in the UPSL. Um, and so the, you know, the reasons for a club to join are numerous. It just depends on, you know, what the club's aspirations are. Um, you know, the UPSL has a lot of different things to offer. Great. Yeah. I think that it makes a lot of sense because there is tons of different avenues that clubs can go through now. And, uh, that kind of leads into my next question and you've touched base on this a little bit, but I'm curious, like where UPSL resides in the infrastructure that is us soccer. Uh, of course there's the the different pyramid you, you could call it or not. Cause of course mm -hmm. pro rail isn't a thing, but, but where does UPSL see itself in the, the wild West that is the U S soccer scene. So technically speaking, if we're to look at that American pyramid, um, the, the space that the UPSL occupies is the same space as the NPSL and USL league two. 
They're all technically amateur league sanctioned by USASA. They're without technically professional players. Um, and it's a one way or another, a stepping stone to, to USL League One or NISA or USL Championship. Or, you know, we've had a couple of players um, who were college players, drafted as college players, but Josh Drack. Um, specifically, who I'm thinking of is now doing a really good job for LA Galaxy too. He was drafted just a couple of months ago, um, you know. And there's players like that who are, you know, making a jump at, and using the UPSL um, in different ways. It, you know, just like a club will use the UPSL in different ways, players use the UPSL in different ways. And so for Josh, um, he was playing at a club in Arizona, not near his, you know, his college, but near his home. Um, in the off season and, and using that as a way to keep fit. And so that he kept his options open, you know, collegiately and whatnot, because the UPSL is an amateur league, right? So he can play in the league and not affect his uh, eligibility at all. And so that's how he used that as a stepping stone or a place to play in between his college season and then being drafted in the MLS super draft. So, um, you know, and for other players, you know, in high density, player population areas like Southern California, North Texas, and South Florida, um, you'll see high school players um, who don't want to pay the high fees of playing local club soccer, but there's this option once you turn 16 that you can play in the UPSL so long as you have your parents' permission. So that becomes an option for those players. Um, and I think trying to get back to, to the point of your question is, and I think I'm actually losing what the point of your question is. And I'm sorry. No, you, no, you were, I think you're you were, doing, you're doing a great job because it, it helped me better understand like what the role of, of UPSL mm -hmm. is uh, like you talked about earlier, being about development and being about right. a platform to a next step if that's what the player wants. And if it's not, it's just uh, a more organized version of soccer compared to just uh, getting together with friends. Not that there's anything wrong right. with that, of course, but um, yeah. now to kind of. I, okay. Let me, let me finish. Cause I think I got yeah. back. You were talking about the pyramid and how the UPSL fits within that. Mm -hmm. So uh, I will say on the left side is the NPSL and it has a history and it has a, a certain structure that's been there for a while. And they have a certain style. Those clubs have a certain style. And that style is college players in the offseason. Okay. They play a relatively spring, summer season. That club, that league is filled with mostly college players. Okay. On the right side is USL League Two. Okay. Academy players coming up out of MLS academies, um, bigger clubs that participate in that youth uh, academy structure. Right. And that's where those players are finding space. The UPSL is all those players in between. OK, in some way, shape or form, um, you know, we fill in the gaps that are in between the left and the right. Hmm. Um, and, you know, just again, depending on the kind of player you are is, you know, depending on your view of the UPSL, because if you're not um, a college player and playing MPSL in those regions and you're not a, an academy player, you know, what are your options otherwise? And so the UPSL, if you're a high school player, you know, gives you that next level exposure. If you're trying to get to college, 
you know, and you're that in between, you know, 18 year old who doesn't know if he wants to still play soccer or not, or what the heck is happening with your career. The UPSL is a place to play and find out if you can still hang. Um, and if you can get looks and, you know, you can get coaches and, um, you know, put that on your resume. If you're, you know, a college player, some in some regions, the UPSL is that option you know, when there, where there is an NPSL. And so that becomes your option. If you're a former professional player wanting to live in the United States because you're an international player, um, but you have connections in soccer and your soccer is still your life, right? But you're not a professional player, quote unquote, anymore. The UPSL is a place to gain exposure still and still play at a high level and still, you know, They'll do it week in and week out and, and, you know, carry on your passion. So, you know, it, it the, the, the players, you know, all different angles and, and then the clubs, you know, the, the UPSL, I've told many people this, but it's a melting pot. You know, we, we've had in the history of the UPSL mom and pops, you know, and their, their son or sons, you know, and, We've had massive Rush Academy clubs. We have clubs that are now co-owned by uh, Alessandro Del Piero and, and Christian Fuchs and, you know, these great international players. We have a, a club in Florida that's, um, you know, the Juventus Miami, Doral Miami Academy, their club. Um, you know, we have different uh, Kelta, you know, has a club or did have a club in the UPSL Florida. And we have all these different international clubs now coming in and, and finding space in the UPSL because the UPSL, you know, it's not beholden to the left or the right. We fill all those spaces in between. And so there's space for that kind of investment um, and that kind of development here too. So, you know, there's not just one way to kind of look at the UPSL. Um, you can have that overarching view where we fill in the gaps, but it's so much more. It's about how we service those clubs and those players in between and allow them that space, you know, to find out if they can take that next step as a club. If you're the Cal United, you know, if you can take that next step to NISO or whatever, NPSL, if you're Oakland County, you know, you can find space in the UPSL for a little bit before you, you know, take that next step or all those Midwest premier clubs. You know, most of those found space in the UPSL before they found, created, decided to create their own thing and, and do their own thing. And that's great, you know, but there's, you know, the UPSL is a home to all of this. And I think it doesn't get the credit it kind of deserves for that. Yeah. So, no, yeah, I think that's, it's exciting because I think UPSL is in a, because it, what caught my interest recently and i think it was i say recently i think it's been 2019 recently uh pre-pandemic but there was i think it was a protagonist podcast episode i listened to about with uh, either the president or the new owner um that had kind of been talking about a shift within ubsl um from your perspective and, and please correct me if i'm wrong but would you say that shift to highlighting players and giving them a platform to do what they want to do next in their career is a new thing for UPSL or has that always been kind of the mantra for the league? So that, I think all of that came with the, the massive shift and expansion in 2017, 2018 um, and carried through with the new investment and the new ownership in 2020. And now um, we, 
when I began in the UPSL in 2016, um, it was about to begin the boom in teams coming. And so I was brought in to, to make media happen for those clubs um, and do things like create press releases and, and connect locally with media on behalf of these clubs so that they were becoming a, an established part of their communities. Um, but as things change and things grow, right, the clubs demand a little bit more. And, you know, there's a reason to do certain things a certain way. And so when it comes to things like promoting players and doing more that way, it was a natural progression toward what we wanted to do. I started with a very simple player of the week concept very early in 2017, where, you know, I was essentially picking the best statistical player I could find from the weekend, from the 30 or some odd games the league had hosted that weekend um, and just highlighting them to now we create this nationwide poll that's seen by thousands and voted by thousands on Twitter every week. Um, and that's just based upon demand. You know, more teams want to be involved, more teams send in their nominations every week, more teams want to have their players highlighted. So it's, you know, part of our job now to, to do that as the head of the media team for the UPSL. Um, you know, we have a schedule every week that we keep to in terms of trying to promote these players every week and, and make it happen. And it's, it's not something that's changed. It's something that just had to happen. Right. It was something that, you know, as a as a proper nationwide league, you would expect, you know, to know who some of these players are. And I felt a responsibility to some of these players to promote them because they're doing great things. And so, you know, I, I grew very quickly from a one man operation to a two man operation. So now we have several people on staff who help create media on a weekly basis. And I certainly couldn't do it with, without Huang Nian, our marketing director. He's a genius. Um, he's the man behind all those beautiful graphics you see every week. Um, and, and certainly our production team, Veter Media, uh, they produce the, the weekly show this week in the UPSL and they do a, a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of our highlights and, and video production. And, and, you know, it takes, more than certainly just one person, you got to have talented people, um, you know, willing to put in their time and efforts and, and commitment to this cause to make the UPSL a force, you know, in, in American soccer and something that not only was needed, but, you know, was sorely missing from, you know, a, a, sphere that become you know is very quickly becoming very um segregated in a way you know with with how the the professional tier operates and the standards by which they operate you know it, it the demand for what we do within the upsl is obviously far more than the really the demand for what most of these other leagues are doing and the numbers just speak for themselves yeah. and there's really nothing that has stopped our progression there hasn't been anything that has really slowed and sometimes it's i mean it's overwhelming how how quickly teams buy in especially before the start of new seasons um and during playoff time when we're promoting and teams get excited about being a part of something that's bigger than you know their their local league and it's really not a big financial commitment you know 
I tell people too, and I say this, and it may or may not still be true, but operating the UPSL, if you're going to operate a club for a season, you're buying a Hyundai, you know, in terms of the price tag and it, with facilities and kits and water and, you know, everything that you're going to put in on a day-to-day basis, you're buying a, a brand new mid-sized, uh, you know, sedan. Uh, but to play in those other leagues, you're buying Suburbans and Bentleys, baby. Like you're, you're, you're balling at a higher level and you know, that isn't the realist, you know, that's not, that's not what it's really like on the ground for these clubs. And, and so it's, it's been, it's been quite an adventure, you know, seeing how big the demand for this was. I had no idea when I first came into the league, what it was going to be like, you know, I was, strictly a sports writer and still am a sports writer. I still, you know, I still continue that career as well, but to see where the league has gone from when we had 45 teams in Southern California and a couple in Vegas and a couple in Phoenix to, you know, where we have this demand for clubs and we're approaching 350 on the men's side and we have 40 plus on the women's that are going to debut later this month um and we have you know a youth academy that still exists in in certain pockets um that never existed before you know and and certainly the 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 shock moment is soccer in alaska this will be our third season hosting a, a division in alaska um and nobody else is doing something like that and to be part of that is is really kind of rewarding. Is one of the most rewarding things I've done in my career. It's almost, and I think it's kind of a thing they say out in Alaska, but it's like the final frontier in some ways. To uh, it is to put the it flag is. in Alaska and say we're we're doing that. And I and I do remember that was kind of a huh. What is what is going on with the UPSL? Because I remember uh, seeing I think that first club announced and. Um, the local media get involved with the announcement and how important that was for the community to have an organized uh, club uh, be put out there and have UPSL be involved with that. So my next question is, where does, what, what does the future look like for UPSL? Is it continuing to hone uh, just providing a platform for, for players to boost their career? Is it, um, not to go all soccer wars on the, the conversation, but is it like maybe competing with MPSL and in, in league two in that uh, college development era or in, in how does the, the world cup in 2026 maybe uh, affect the path of future with the UPSL? Those are all great questions. I think first um, the, the, Immediate future is UPSL MX or MXEs. Uh, the growth there has been exponential. Um, I have to tell you guys that the fastest growth in any social media account I've ever created has been for the UPSL MX Twitter account. It's just insanity how many ads I get every day for that account. Soccer down there, as you well know, is number one and and one a and one B on on their sports list. And so the, the questions we get every day about what's happening down there and what's next for that um, really is uh, the, the genesis of the growth of the UPSL. And I wouldn't be shocked to see UPSL other countries 
um, and especially in Latin America. Um, they, they're going to look at the growth of UPSLMX and say, we need that too. And there's already been, you know, a number of uh, attempts to reach the league from outside those outside of Mexico. Um, I've seen a lot of those communications come in, um, questions come in um, from places like Costa Rica, um, places like Belize, um, you know, saying what, what are the, what are our options? Um, so I think international is where the immediate future of UPSL lies. Now here in the States, UPSL is really comfortable with the space it occupies. It'd like to solidify that further. Um, it, the league currently, to my knowledge, doesn't have plans to apply for professional standards um, and become a professional league. So the league will remain technically an amateur league sanctioned by USASA um, and, and will be one of two USASA national leagues, um, NPSL being the other. Uh, and pandemic aside, US Open Cup cancellation aside, um, you know, we get back to norm, normal times and the UPSL receives eight berths in, in the U.S. Open Cup first round or opening round um, starting as early as 2023, 24. Nice. Um, and so we're right there on the same level, technically speaking, as the MPSL. But you look at the, the just the numbers, right? And the leagues aren't the same. The, you know, it's not, it's, we're not catering really to the same demographics. Um, there's a, a much heavier Latin influence in the UPSL um, than there is in the MPSL, just overall, overall speaking. And, you know, a, a heavy, a heavy, you know, African, African immigrant segment too in, in the UPSL that doesn't really exist in the MPSL. Um, in places that you wouldn't expect, like Minnesota and the Mid-Atlantic, um, you know, where where these clubs have previously felt like they're outside the pyramid, the UPSL now gives them that opportunity to to be a part of that American you know soccer dream, so to speak. So, the the future for the UPSL is with international clubs, locations, you know, federations. Um, the UPSL's growth at this point strategy is, is very much a global strategy and that co it coincides with the World Cup, right? That biggest event, you know, it could be the biggest event in the history of soccer and the history of the world. Um, and the UPSL stands to benefit that benefit from that in a number of ways. Um, how we approach uh, you know, strategizing about how to benefit from the World Cup is conversations we're already having. Um, you know, we want we want to to be able to put the UPSL in, in the best position possible to take a next step, whatever that next step is at this moment. You know, the future is untold, but you know, come 2026, and and the league's in a good position um, to do whatever it is that comes next. You know. Uh, it's hard to say at this point, because, again, I didn't imagine any of this in 2016. And, you know, that that's the difference, you know, between four years, five years, essentially. And it's hard to tell, you know, where the future really lies for the league. Um, but there'll be more teams. There'll be more players. Um, 
there will likely be more investments in the league. I personally want to see the league, you know, begin to insist that its clubs and itself, you know, start a movement towards soccer specific facilities so that, you know, the soccer clubs and the league have a permanent home here in the United States, rather than sort of being, uh, depended upon clubs, you know, to, to have a home place to play. So there's, you know, there's conversations that way too, who knows what could happen. So yeah. I think growth is the, the destination, uh, increase in investment is the destination. Um, and, and, you know, there's something to be said for our, our new owners and, and the movement that they've created within the league and the standards that they've raised um, and the sites that they've set. You know, they've invested quite a bit in this property, in the UPSL, and they want to see it succeed. And so certainly their, you know, their eyes are on bigger and, and you know, making more and making it more prominent. And, and so that there's, you know, their, their return is worth, right, what they've, what they've put in. So, and that's all anybody can ask, right, is that you, you get what you give. So they've done an incredible job of taking what was an already successful property and moving it in a direction during a pandemic when a lot of leagues decided not to play, uh, to go ahead and make the protocols standard um, and, and make the things necessary, like making teams um not just forfeit games, but, you know, sort of be patient with the process with um, uh, the not not just COVID, but um, having to wait to play and rescheduling and doing all those things that were necessary in order to um, make sure that seasons got in for clubs and that, you know, teams were able to get back to playing as soon as possible. And as soon as their municipalities would let them, um, you know, in places again, where there wasn't games happening, you know, UPSL for a stretch from June to, you know, whenever the welcome back tournament was a little bit later and, and so on and so forth was like the only soccer happening for a couple of weeks. Mm. And so, you know, that, that stands to be to the league's credit and the new ownership's credit for making that happen. Um, you know, they had purchased investment in the league just prior to everything shutting down, so to speak. And so they were, you know, look right in the eye at, you know, what could happen. They decided to forge ahead, you know, and they decided to keep things moving and keep everybody moving in the right direction. And the league is, you know, bigger and, and better than it's ever been and you know we're moving players on to professional contracts mm -hmm. um you know clubs are growing you know you can see the the commitment to their communities broaden and the the returns that they get from the people within their communities deepen and it you know, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the last 16, 18 months and the UPSL being available, being something that was an outlet for people, you know, and, and however they, you know, decide to involve themselves in, in their clubs. So, you know, a massive, massive amount of the reason that we're here right now is because we continue to play during the pandemic. And there were plenty of people who said, you guys are stupid. 
Um, you don't know what you're doing, right? You're tempting fate and whatnot. And, you know, we had teams that had to be quarantined, and, you know, but we didn't have anybody that, you know, that we know of that, you know, we don't have any fatalities across the league from COVID. Yeah. So we've been, you know, both lucky and, um, you know, we've taken our risk and, and turned it into a little bit of a reward right now. And so we want to keep pushing um, and make, you know, 2021 this season strong. One thing I did want to ask you before we get going is uh, you mentioned a lot of the stuff you're doing in the media, which I'm really interested with the UPSL highlights and things like that. Do you guys stream any games and how will we access them? So all of our premier division games are streamed on MyCujo. MyCujo.tv is where you can find uh, usually uh, a high percentage of our games every weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Veter Media does a great job producing games for us in Florida, a real professional job. But MyCujo.tv makes it really, really easy Mm -hmm. uh, for all clubs to stream their games uh, from, from top to bottom. Uh, Mike Cujo has been a great partner for the UPSL um, and will continue to be a great partner for the UPSL and for lower division soccer across the globe. Mike Cujo has is, is really changed the way uh, people see lower division soccer across the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and early on, Mike Cujo got, uh, you know, it's, it's share of um, criticism, but it continues to grow as well and, and has done a fantastic job uh, reaching out to our clubs and teaching our clubs how to use its product. Um, and I think Mike Cujo is, is the number one for me, uh, soccer-specific streaming platform um, on the market, not to be a salesman for them, but I really <laughs> think job. Um, and teams that, you know, insist upon using, uh, you know, social media specifically for their broadcast are still missing out on, on a lot of potential with the, the soccer specific usefulness of mycujo.tv. So um, that's where the UPSL sits. That's their partner. And that's where you can find our games. Well, maybe we can start streaming amateur hour on there. You never know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they, are open, they are open to content. So mm-hmm. I would, I could definitely put you in a position to, to reach out. All right. Yeah. Maybe I'll get that info from you afterwards, but uh, Dennis, I just wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us about uh, UPSL. You gave us a lot of great information. Uh, I know you got to head out soon and uh, we're too cheap to pay for uh, more than 40 minutes of streaming at a time with zoom. So I appreciate you uh, jumping back on with us real quick. Um, But uh, yeah. um, Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, Ben, I don't know if you want to say anything or whatever. Yeah. Just uh, echo those sentiments and uh, Appreciate Dennis for for educating us on UPSL and 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 getting me excited about it too because there yeah. is so much potential there and it's it's exciting to hear that there's the the infrastructure and the and the people doing the uh, the hard work to continue the the work there in the league. Yeah. Well, it was great speaking to you guys. I'm really happy I was able to make time and we were able to connect. Um, mm-hmm. Let's do it again. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, we can connect and uh, I I don't know. Uh, how much longer is your uh, the spring season? Is that over? And are we waiting until the fall now or what? Nope. Uh, our spring season continues uh, right now. Uh, games are going in all regions except mm-hmm. for uh, their Alaska spring season, but they play in Division One, so mm-hmm. they're not a part of the, the national playoff at the end of the season. Um, but uh, in all premier divisions are competing currently and mm-hmm. the national finals will be held August 8th through 10th. Uh, we're currently finalizing the location for that. Um, although I, I think I can tell you that it will be in Southern California. 
All right. Sounds great. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much uh, for again for joining us. And thank you listeners, for listening. And uh, I'm Chris Davis. That's Ben Gosthorn. And this is Amateur Hour. I don't remember how our outro did because we haven't done one in two years. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.